How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is another episode of the Left Go Show Gambling Edition. Today we are going to have our good friend Connor Rogers diving into what the offseason is going to be like for coaches, GMs, and, and stuff of that nature, which I had not talked about yet, and it was great to hear his insight. He really is connected in that world, and it's great to give the sticky some sticky love. Uh, a little bit with Crack, who uh, talked about getting emotional uh, when I was on his podcast. You could check that out, The Wise Cracks. But now we are joined uh, by my guy, David Ingber, um, who is looking to beat up the public for our benefit. What do you got today? Uh, you're going to talk to Crack a little bit later. We just finished with him, and he talks about how the syndicates haven't made their choices yet, which is actually, we can use this to our benefit, because here we are on Thursday, the only people that have played their bets already are Joe Schmo, like you and me, the people that, you know, think they're getting ahead of the bets and the syndicates like, ah, oh, let me wait. Cause I think this line might move a little bit. Right. So when you look on certain websites, as I did, uh, this particular one from action network, you can find out where the money has been placed by John Q public. And mm. I wanted to count down for you the five most public teams of the week and see if anything kind of seemed a little spicy to you if anything seemed a little off, okay? So we're, we're looking at opportunities to fade the public. That's okay. right. So at number five, Arizona versus New York Giants. You're going, Giants. you're going from least public heavy to most public heavy? That's okay. right. I'm going to work my way up. Okay. Cardinals versus Giants. Currently, the Giants are plus two. So the Cardinals are favored in that game. Cardinals are getting 65% of the public money. And this to me felt like the Giants would get the public money. They're on such a nice little run. Their defense has been looking stronger and stronger. They haven't lost by more than two points in like, mm. I don't know, 10 weeks or so. It's, it's absolutely Especially crazy. when I factor in the fact that Kyler Murray, whether it's been his shoulder or whether it's been the lack of ingenuity in the Cliff Kingsbury offense, which a lot of people are attacking this week. The offense of Arizona doesn't look good. And the one thing that you can do on Arizona's defense is run. And I just saw Wayne Gallman put up 135 yards. Arizona started off as a three-point favorite. So if anything, the public money or the money has been coming on the Giants to get it down to that. But the fact that most of the public money is on Arizona and it's at MetLife and it's a one o'clock game for a West Coast team, it is very enticing to want to fade that and go to the Giants because that D-line, if they can contain Russell Wilson, they're going to be able to contain the Arizona Cardinals. And then when you think about the fact that the Giants have a legitimate number one corner in James Bradbury, that is a great matchup for DeAndre Hopkins. You got me thinking about the Giants here. Okay, so right away, I'm getting a one little bit one. excited. And remember, any one of these could fail. But if you bet all five of them, who knows? We're gonna we're gonna put that on Twitter and see how it goes. I swear, Number four, I the most a public fan every year. <laughs> the most public team of the year: the Kansas City Chiefs going against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins favored by seven and a half. That's actually moved down to seven. The Chiefs are Kansas City's 16. favored by seven and a half. Sorry, yes, Kansas City yep. is favored by seven. Uh, now seven it used to be seven and a half. Now it's seven. The Chiefs are getting sixty nine percent of the money. Mm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes just is Mister Cover. He's just uh, unbelievable cover. If this keeps up for the next couple of years, it could be like the gambling public's worst nightmare, or you could make money off of it. But uh, yeah, 69% of the money on the chiefs. That's actually not abnormal given what he's done this year. It's always weird playing one o'clock games in Miami, but that's typically in a non pandemic because guys usually go to South beach the day before. And mm. so that's like documented thing. I will say, and I said this on Monday's podcast, 
Every time I watch Tua Tagovailoa, could he be good? Absolutely. Is he good right now? No. And the Dolphins' defense has been great. Look, they got a guy, Emmanuel Ogba. He was on the Chiefs a few years ago, so you know he's going to be motivated for the game. They have a great D-line, but and they have great corners, like phenomenal corners that I'm very excited to see match up. I just have a hard time thinking that two is going to be able to really score. Now, they look, Miles Gaskin, I see popping off. That's a game where, honestly, I don't want to bet against the Chiefs, and I don't want to bet on Tua, but I also go, of course the public's going to be on the Chiefs. So that that's a game that I'm going to avoid, uh, but if I was going to bet a side, I would just go the Chiefs because I just I don't see Tua making the plays. I just don't. Okay. Going to number three, Titans versus the Jaguars. Jaguars are currently getting seven and a half points. So that means the Titans are favored by seven and a half. Titans are getting 76% of the money. Titans actually started off as nine and a half point favorites. And now it's down to seven and a half there. This is a game where Jacksonville, Tennessee, it's always a crazy game with the AFC South. I mean, this was, this was the birth of Gardner Minshew was upsetting the Titans on a Thursday night football at the same point. This is also for me, the reason I think people are backing it. The Jacksonville Jaguars hate playing Derrick Henry and he always stiff arms them into the ground. This is a Tennessee team coming off of a game against uh, um, Cleveland in which they were absolutely embarrassed and they couldn't get Derrick Henry going. And this is a Jacksonville team that took Minnesota to overtime uh, and there were crazy plays throughout the entire game. If I was going to lean anywhere on this one, I would lean towards Tennessee just because I feel like they're, they're, they're coming back from a disappointing game and Jacksonville's like, we almost won that one. Um, Mike Glennon has been better. That Tennessee pass rush stinks and that Tennessee defense stinks. Um, I, I will remind myself at this moment, stop betting the AFC South. It doesn't make sense. But if I was going to go on there, I would bet on Tennessee having a bounce back game, but I, I would probably buy the hook and get it down to seven. Okay. Uh, next up, number two. What do you for think the about the game so far? Uh, I think that seven and a half points is, is tends to be a lot. I've mentioned this before in the podcast, five, six, seven points for a divisional matchup just tends to feel like a lot, mm. unless you're dealing with a 16 and 0 Patriots type team. Crazy that just stuff happens in divisional games. It really Absolutely. Does. And the Jaguars have played teams tough Who they lose to 27, 25 the other week. That was kind of like, Hey, Jaguars, they hang around. They got right. some talent. They play with right. pride. Cleveland. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, Colts versus Raiders. Currently the Colts are favored by two and a half that actually got bumped up to three. As of this morning, the Colts are getting 85% of the money, which surprised me. Again, these numbers can shift. Obviously we're early in the week, but I'm just telling you, that's like a perfect example of like the Raiders go. They almost lose to the jets. Have a couple of stinkers. Indy has that game and they survive the Texans. The big question for me in that game is who does Vegas get back? Their secondary was out. Trent Brown just got activated. Is Josh Jacobs playing? I I would have to look at the injury report there because if it's a fully healthy Vegas team, I like getting three points at home against a Phillip Rivers-led team where you're not going to get that out of T.Y. Hilton every week. T.Y. Hilton historically dominates the Texans. I used to bet on this all the time. I, for me... 
I would love getting three points in Vegas at home. I'm going to check their injury reports. And then at the end of this show, when I make my picks, that might be one that I take, especially since I know the public's all over it. Uh, and then who is the number one? Number one, Saints versus Eagles. I know this would wow. be a pressure to you. Eagles currently seven point dogs. Uh, Saints favored by a touchdown here. The public, as of last night, 91% of the public money is on the Saints. And Crack is going to talk about this coming up too. Uh, it's very interesting because I could see the Eagles doing to the Saints if Taysom Hill starts what the Broncos did, which is like you're praying that he runs for two touchdowns because the ball just isn't being thrown anywhere. Um, I just don't want to bet on that game, man. Like, I just don't want the Eagles to crush my soul anymore. It's just not something I'm interested in. I'm not trying to convince you to take any side Oh, no, no, no. I know, just, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, but I what am do gonna, you I, think? Non-biased. This, so this whole thought experiment to me, and this is something that I'm going to try out. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to throw 10 bucks on each of the non-public teams for these five games. And hopefully I go three and two, four and one. And maybe that becomes a new, a new little strategy. You never want to become too beholden to one strategy this week. I just thought they were kind of fun, explainable public teams. And when things feel too obvious, people lose money because there's a reason they keep building these massive cathedrals all over Vegas. I love it. All right. Now let's talk to my guy, Connor Rogers. It's deep dive interview time. Tell us something we don't already know, won't you? My guy, Ingber, always love breaking it down with him. But now it is time to talk to somebody that I've been waiting to talk to. Best hair in the game up-and-coming draft analyst for the Stars, Connor Rogers, RIP, stick to football. Uh, first of all, when, when I tweeted out that you were coming on, the stickies were pumped, man. So do you have a message for the stickies? I mean, I miss them. We still DM, uh, you know, tweet, answer questions, have fun, and I'm, you know, trying to uh, keep them with me because, you know, I hope to get a new, new show off the ground that'll cover the draft Ooh. like we did on Stick to Football. Can I be so- a guest? Absolutely. I was okay. so excited to do this just because Lefko, I have, I have so much stuff that like, it's not as fun to tweet things because no then it's just more fun to talk about them. So we have a lot of, a lot of shit to do today. I, I equate it to when somebody launches a podcast for the first time, their first episode is always so juicy because they've gone all this time without talking mm-hmm. about it. When you have a weekly podcast, you get it all out. You've been saving them up. So I'm excited. Before we get to your news though, is Greg Williams the greatest Jets contributor of all time or an absolute villain in your mind? Oh, it's, it's definitely the former. It's contributor. I mean, so to the outside world, dumbest dude ever, to Jets kingdom, thank you, Greg. Statue. I mean, if, the, if Trevor Lawrence is who we all think he is and the Jets get him, I mean, look, Greg Williams wasn't going to be here next year. Adam Gase isn't going to be there. Uh, a lot of people aren't going to be there. Trevor Lawrence is the guy we think he is, a future top five quarterback. And the Jets even win one, one Super Bowl with Trevor Lawrence, or at least get back to the playoffs. Left go. Right. It's been 10 or 11 years. Pull a Mark Sanchez. Get to some AFC championship games. So you're telling me that Greg Williams is the Hodor of the New York Jets. That's what I called him, man. He, really? I mean, yes, that's what I said. I said it's the most selfless act we've seen since Hodor, because I and this is see that. That's awesome. this is who this is who Greg is, man. Like people are out there with their conspiracy theories. Absolutely not, Greg. The play before they lost the game, they sat with three deep mm. and they still got beat. 
Carr just mm. missed the throw. Carr missed a million throws in this game. Carr missed a wide open. I think it was Sam Elson Darnold Aguilar. outplayed Derek Carr in that game. I, the Jets outplayed the Raiders. Yes. And it, you, that has to scare you a little bit as a Raiders fan. They've had a nice season, but that's to scare you. And then Greg said, I'm not going down like this. You're telling me I'm sitting seven defensive backs back there and we still got beat and the got quarterback missed the throw. I'm not going to give the quarterback the chance to make the throw. Were you rooting for a Hail Mary? Absolutely. Wow. So All you're the in full Jets tank. You're in. Oh, nice. I mean, they'd be picking two and they're not going to win strength of schedule against Jacksonville. And mm. it's nothing against Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. I like those guys a lot. I think they're top 10 picks. I think Trevor Lawrence is in a different stratosphere. And most importantly, left go picking number one gets you a better head coach. That Jets job is not attractive without that number one pick. So they needed that number one pick. And, mm. and Greg Williams probably saved them, possibly saved their future. Because you are, I love, by the way, when I look at your Twitter feed and I see you tweet something about the Jets and it has like 2,000 likes. And I, I'm just curious. Um, I can only imagine growing up a Jets fan. One of your dreams is I'd love to talk about the Jets and people care about what I have to say. And so what does that feel like? It's honestly amazing. I love the Jets fans. I think sometimes they get a bad rap because, you know, all passionate fans that root for bad teams, you know, they can be rough at times around the edges. To, pal? Who are you talking there to? There you go. There you get it more there than anyone. It. I yeah. love the Jets fans. And you got to realize, like, you know, I was in the Meadowlands when I was like four years old with my dad, with all of these maniacs. So this is what I grew up in. And it was just me talking in the house with family about this. Now I get to just broadcast it essentially to the entire fan base. And I, I read all the replies because they're hilarious. That mm. You don't get to respond to all of them, but the replies are hilarious. Jets Twitter is a, you know, like is a different, it's a, it's a black hole in a way, but it is so funny once you get deep in the weeds. I have people that work in the NFL text me about the Jets Twitter like parody accounts. They all in the building think it's the funniest thing. I've always thought, because I experienced the process with the Sixers, that the real identity of a fan base is built at the point that you guys are at right now. When you guys are either at the bottom or about to bounce off the bottom, that's when the fan base really finds their voice. Because those are the true diehards. The ones that are like, no, I want to see it hit bottom. And I mean, we hung up a banner for Sam Hinkie. Philadelphia Sixers fans, yeah. because he engineered that. Um, do you, is it Joe Douglas keeping Adam Gase hired because it's like, I don't want to have to do the press conferences, so make that guy answer the questions as we hit the bottom? Is that the reason he still has a job? So it's not up to Joe. Uh, Gase reports to the owners, which is, a, which is not a common structure in the NFL. A lot of times coaches report to the GM. Uh, there's some weird instances where I think in Seattle, I believe Schneider reports to Pete Carroll. The Jets are one of the, I think you can count them on one hand, the GM and the head coach separately report to ownership. So now Greg Williams reported to Adam Gase because he was on his staff. So Gase could fire Greg and there's no one can, has to say anything. Now, I think Joe influences the owner decisions and they know, hey, let's just ride this thing out. The Jets historically yeah. don't fire coaches in the middle of the season. You can look at the history of them. They don't, they just don't do it. Unless they quit on a napkin. There you go. Yeah. And that season didn't even get started. Right, so... Right, right. So when you look at this thing, they're riding it out. Uh, it does help Joe Douglas a little bit to have a fall guy. And to be fair to Joe Douglas, he's getting some praise because Makai Becton looks great. Denzel Mims looks great. Where if you hit on your first two picks in your first draft ever, everyone's going, okay, this guy gets it, but the coach sucks. Now we right. got to get the right coach. Let's, let's actually do a quick 
Uh, before we get into the news, a Mackay Becton minute. Uh, every time I go on Twitter on a Sunday or a Monday, there is some clip of this larger than life human putting another human into the earth. Uh, even on that game winning touchdown or two point conversion last week, I watched Mackay Becton on the left side of the line literally collapse the entire Raiders line. And you go, oh, wow, Ty Johnson had a big game. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, Frank Gore was playing solid. You just run behind Becton. For people that aren't watching O-line and they're definitely not watching the Jets, what do you have right now at tackle for the next 10 years? I think something special if he can stay healthy and get his conditioning right. And I think he will. He works with Duke Mannyweather. He's made some huge strides. At Louisville, he had gotten that weight up to 385 at one time. And it was a problem, and he's really worked hard to get down to probably about 370. You'd like him at 360, 355, and I think he can get there in a normal non-pandemic offseason. Now, Lefko, you're talking about you watched the Jets' 96-yard drive. I think it was their longest drive of the season that brought them within three in the fourth quarter to the Raiders. 85 of those yards came from running the ball, and five of the seven running plays were behind Becton. So you're talking about – I don't mean to say this to bring hyperbole – Maybe a Trent Williams caliber run blocker. See, I was that, saying Ogden just because the I'd height. like to get there. I'd yeah. like to get there. Um, something special that you can game plan behind this guy. And it really doesn't matter what you send at him because there's times left go where he's taking out two to three people on a play and wiping them off the screen. And I just haven't evaluated a lot of offensive linemen in my day that can do that. Uh just to kind of wrap up the draft a little bit, I know that there were four offensive linemen that were the big picks in that draft. Of course, uh, Mikai Becton was one. Jedrick Wills went to Cleveland. Uh, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, and it was mainly those three. No, no, no. And Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, yep. Now that you've seen almost a full year, how would you rank them now compared to how you ranked them back then? So back then, I had I – had all four of them in the first round, and they were my only tackles in the first round. I know a couple more who have not had good seasons went in the first round. Namely, you know? namely uh, the Titans. Isaiah, yes. Isaiah Wilson has been an absolute train wreck. Yes, he has. And, and I know for the Dolphins, it's been up and down uh, with Austin Jackson, but not on the level of, you know. So I had it, to put it simple, Wills, Worfs, uh, Thomas, and Becton, and they were all in the top 15. So you're talking about special grades. Yeah. With Becton, it was never film. It was, hey, you know, get the conditioning right. And, you know, he's come off the field a lot this year at times, but when he's been on the field, he's been magnificent. I think Worfs honestly could be the offensive rookie of the year. I think that's how good he's played. Mm. And I think Wills, now people are catching on because the Browns are, what, nine and three? Yeah, that game against Tennessee really opened people's eyes. Wills is special. And, and Wills was my top tackle because he has insanely powerful hands. He moves very well. Uh, he kills people in the run game just because he's not six eight or whatever it is. He might not get the viral clip at clips, but there's stuff there that's really special at the second level of the field. And the Browns are reaping those rewards right now where I think it's been Worfs, Wills and Becton. And then Thomas, who started out horrible, but the last three or four games, he's been very good. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about those top three guys. I think they could be top five to seven tackles in the NFL for the next eight years. Mm. That's how good they look already. And, and Thomas is starting to figure it out. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you say that, then I start looking at teams like Arizona that when Isaiah Simmons and I go, what would they rather have right now? A franchise tackle 
or a linebacker in space that he makes some good plays, but I look at Kyler running for his life. I'm like, I, they needed O-line help too. I'm with you all the way. And you know, from doing the draft with me, how surprised, not surprised because we heard a lot of rumors. They were, you know, they locked up Humphreys and they were like, Hey, we're, you know, we're good now. And it's like, no, you're not. You still no. need to add. And it doesn't look at the teams that drafted these guys. The Patriots, uh, the Bucks took worse and said, play right tackle. He played both at Iowa. He played right mm. tackle a lot, left tackle a little bit. You always need pieces. Those guys, those guys could all play guard, so that's not a problem either. All four of those guys, you really like Becton at tackle, but all four of those guys could play guard. You need to stack the deck in this league, and you know this as an Eagles fan at offensive line. You just keep adding chips. Absolutely. I think we're going to see the Jets are going to do that with Joe Douglas again this year. He, they're going to take another one with the, their top three picks. I am not going to bring up Justin Jefferson. I've talked enough about that this week. Uh, but I just, you know, we've done a lot of drafts together. And I feel like every time I get upset at the Eagles, it's justified. But yeah. we'll... And okay. th this, year especially, this year especially. This year especially. Okay. Some news around the NFL. Do you want to start off with coaching, GMs? What right now is in your pocket that you're just so excited to tell me? Man, I think the coaching cycle is interesting because there's so many jobs that are going to be open. Yeah, let's go through it. So Atlanta, Detroit. Yes, the Jets. The Jets. Are yep. we going to get the Chargers? We're going to get the Chargers. Okay. We're going to get Jacksonville. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, they Jacksonville. Fired, they finally fired Caldwell. It only took yeah, all those it's, years. It's, it's happening. Uh, Jacksonville will be open, and, and people will like that job. I'll say that right now. Uh, let's not forget about Houston. Mm. Did we say Houston? Yep. Mm. The one that I'm curious about and I can't figure out is Denver. It, that one, nobody really knows. I think right Fangio's now. staying. I think he is too if I had to pick. And I think, I think Doug gets fired from Philly. I think that the way that this season ends will be very determinative yes. if there is a future around Hurts. As I have said, and I have said this to a lot of people, Doug Peterson only really starts coaching when it's desperation time and Good we've point. reached that point and the year the after bears. they won the super bowl carson went down Foles came in they beat the bears they almost beat the saints the year yep. after that last year uh everything's a mess they go four in a row carson wentz looks great uh if he has a good run here with jalen i feel like it could get very interesting uh but i agree it's definitely up in the air right now well, because if he has a good run with Jalen, then everybody's going to say, look at what Wentz was holding the team back from. So uh, the Bears will be open, which is a fascinating job. Absolutely fascinating. And, and then you have the ones that people will wonder about that I don't think will change. You know, Denver was one we went over, but I think the Bengals are fine. They're not, mm -hmm. a, they're not a franchise that historically moves on quick. We know that. Uh, from anyone. Yeah, and they can so, go, our quarterback got hurt. Like, I don't know what to yes. do. Yes, yeah. So Zach Taylor should be safe. I think that those are the ones that so I that's really seven. have on Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Jets, Jacksonville, Chargers, Houston, Chicago. Now on those seven, is it is it fighting for candidates? Like what's what about uh, those teams interest you the most? Well, everybody's going to go in a little bit different direction. The Jets are coming off a mess where they are going to try to get somebody that can command the franchise, right? And that's why you're hearing these outrageous things right now, like Bill Cowher. Came out this week, Boomer Esiason connected Bill Cower to the Jets. Um, you know, from what I have heard, Cower's not particularly interested in coming back to coach unless it started at a Gruden salary of $10 million a year. So are the, are the and Jets... And he wouldn't right? have to move if he went yes. to the Jets. 
Yes, and you know Joe Douglas is respected. There are reasons why it makes sense, but it's going to cost a ton of money. Now you have all these coordinators that I think Twitter is a little hotter on than the, the enemy. league. The enemy, I think, is going to get one. Okay. Now the enemy, I think the enemy, it would be Houston. Well, before you before you get to the enemy, go to where you were going. Who is Twitter higher on than the NFL is? I think, and I like him a lot. Arthur Smith from Tennessee. Mm. I, I think that we still might be a year away. Um, and I like this next one a lot. And I, and Twitter does too, but I think we're a year away. Joe Brady from Carolina. That's just, Carolina, that's a quick jump. LSU. Now yeah. you always, you always want to be early, right? Now Brady, you know, really helped with that construct that offense with LSU that won a championship. He's done some really nice things with Carolina. He's a great play caller. He's a great offensive mind. He's a really young guy. What franchises are scrambling to figure out right now is can he command the entire room, right? Can he be when Joe Brady gets shown on the broadcast? I always laugh because I'm like, I have drank beers with so many dudes that look like Joe Brady with yes. like a high fade Caesar. You know what I mean? Like, and the he's got like the and... chain out, and you're just yeah. like, he's like when Sean McVay got hired, he was 33 or whatever, or 31, and he was young looking. But Joe Brady is like young looking and still looks like he wants to go to the club. I don't think yeah. he does. I'm just saying, like, his look is so funny to me. Yeah, it is. I don't know if we're, I don't want to write him off, but I'm saying that it's not a lock that he gets a job, even though he's been marvelous for about two years now. Gotcha. Now, the one, one that Twitter does really like, and rightfully so, and he should get a job is Brian Dable. I mean, you look at the development of Josh Allen. You look at how creative the play calling is. Um, you look at his background. He really was a failed offensive coordinator in a few stops. Went to Alabama and New England, and he's figured something out from mm. those stops and has done a great job in Buffalo. I think Brian Dable gets one, and I think Brian Dable has the ability to put together a coaching staff where somebody will be sold on him. Um, Brian Dable really impressed me on Monday night going up against Robert Sala and San Francisco, mainly because I had been under the notion, and it's been accurate for a while, that when John Brown is not in the Buffalo's offense, it really takes everything back. And to see how they're using Gabriel Davis, but more importantly, the way that they use Isaiah McKenzie in that stretch role and using Devin Singletary and and removing a lot of risk from Josh Allen's plate and really giving him two options on his plays, um, there, there is absolutely an advancement of Brian Dayball's offense that I'm not seeing from other OCs right now. Yeah, he, he's on another level right now, dialing it up. And I'm glad you brought up that matchup because I know it's, it's been tough at times. I think Robert Sala gets a job. I, I really do. And here's the key left go, and a lot of people aren't talking about this right now with Sala. Salah, number one, has Michigan roots, so a lot of people are tying him to the Detroit job, and I think that makes a lot of sense for him. If I was interviewing Salah, the one thing I would have to have if I was going to hire him is he has to bring one of those Kyle Shanahan assistants with him, and those two guys are Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur. He has to get one of them. Now, notoriously, Kyle has... I wanted both of those guys to be on the Eagles, like OC yes. this year. Kyle has blocked them from jobs. From what I'm heard... What I've heard, it sounds like Kyle will let one go this offseason if it was with Sala. Now, Kyle can change his mind. You know how things go. Things change fast. Sala might not get a job. But Sala is known for being able to command the room, coach a defense. He runs a scheme that without a pass rush, it's not going to work. They've lost their mm. entire front four. So mm. I'm not really going to get on him for, for that. 
But if he can bring Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur, McDaniel would be the guy I would say is a really a genius in the NFL mm. right now. And th there will be a time left go in two years where everyone's going, Mike McDaniel is one of the best offensive play callers in the league right now. Mm. And I think it would be with Robert Sala. And I think the Lions and Jacksonville are the two places that make the most sense for him. What I love is when we had comedian Dan Soder on and he revealed that him and Mike McDaniels are like best childhood friends. That's uh, so random. And, and I, I love it because it's like, I love when I hear him talk about how they would just sit there and play Tecmo Bowl when they're kids. And now you're calling them a bona fide genius. And I'm like, they were definitely just two goofballs. Like, I love that yeah. dynamic. So of those six, so who would you say are the top cat? Like who is the number one coaching candidate right now heading into an off season where there could be seven or more jobs open? So it depends who you talk to, right? When you look at this, like the enemy is going to be highly valued. Now people have always questioned, okay. you know, the question everyone gets is, Oh, what does he do for the chiefs? Cause Andy has so much influence. We've seen other Andy guys fail before we've seen some succeed. The enemy is looked at as somebody that is really connected with his offensive players. They think he's learned a lot about play calling being there so long. And I think you're going to see Houston and Atlanta really go all out for a guy like the enemy. That's what, so it depends where you're going now. Mm. Now with the bears, an interesting one to me is, and we've heard for so long, he'll never leave is, you look at Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. That's a great job in college football. But the if anyone has a shot, it would be the Bears because it's a local job for him. Mm. You don't have to move. Mm. You're going Northwestern to the Chicago Bears. Uh, it would cost a lot of money. It would take a pretty big influence. But I think, listen, if it, you told a team, hey, you can go get Fitzgerald from Northwestern, they would be really excited. And I think the Bears at least have to check in there. I think when you look at someone like the Jets, mm. They've tried this before, and he said no. Maybe it changes. Matt Campbell from Iowa State is a guy that you know people would love to have. He hasn't shown interest in leaving the college level. I think he's waited for a bigger college job like in Ohio State, like a Michigan. Those opportunities haven't opened the door yet. Maybe somebody entices him with a lot of money to come to the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm sure, like I said, the Jets tried two years ago, and he said no to an interview. I think that was a different regime that scared him a lot. So we'll see where that goes again and then like you said you, you probably have your detroit and jacksonville that would like to call robert sala pretty early in this process dable is the wild card here nobody can really get a feel of, of where he would go and if he has a choice of many different places uh, so those are the ones that are very very interesting and now you're hearing names thrown around that are our retreaded guys that have been let go and had some time off like marvin lewis like jim caldwell uh, we saw this with mike mccarthy so, and McCarthy experiment has failed miserably. So that, you know, people are going to wonder about that. So it's a very interesting scenario where teams are going to look in every direction. Yeah. Like Connor, when, when you talk about all those names, I understand why somebody like Bill Cower might want to come back because while I have faith in guys like Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dayball, I don't think any of them are a hundred percent win the press conference guys. And, and sometimes there's always a big name coach that kind of comes in and gets a lot of that excitement. Um, would you agree? Like I, all of them are great guys. I just don't feel like they all have slight concerns with them where you're not sure about something. 
So everyone's wondering, Lefko, and that's the beauty of talking about this stuff in December. Now, if I talk to you in 45 days when these owners and GMs get to sit in the room for the first time mm. with some of these guys, let's not forget, it, I mean, it was foolish, but Adam Gaseman, the ultimate car salesman, wowed Christopher Johnson, where mm. most guys that get fired like that don't get a job right away. So interviews matter. And on the same side, I've heard mixed things with the enemy. I've heard some people have really liked him in interviews. I've heard some people had questions. And I think the enemy, when you hear him speak, it, he sounds great. So I, I think it, it can go a couple of different ways. People want to sit down with these guys. How big of a deal could it be for the enemy if the Chiefs get the buy for him to have a week where there's only going to be, usually there's four coaching staffs that have an opportunity. This year, there's two. How big could that be for Biennemi? It really, really matters. And the one story recently I can remember is, I believe this was when the Jets hired Todd Bowles. That was the year uh, the uh, Dan Quinn could not interview. There was a reason or something like that. And the Jets wanted Dan Quinn and they also liked Todd Bowles. And they were essentially just too afraid to wait because if you wait, you might be sitting there and it's like musical chairs and you're mm. standing there without a place to sit. So it, it does matter, Lefko. Now, I, I will say this for Biennemi. You know, I do, once again, I think Houston and I think Atlanta are out in front of this where he, you know, it's been tough, right? He's interviewed a lot and has not gotten a job. It does feel like there's momentum that this is the year he does get one. Mm. I know there are a bunch of GM jobs that are going to be opening up too. And I feel like you talk about this better than most people. What are the, what are you hearing the most about front office positions that excite you? Yeah. So you look at it like this, right? I, I think that Jacksonville should have a lot of power here. Number one, ownership is very respected around the league. And a lot of people want to go work with that ownership group. They're going to have the first or second overall pick. So they could start over at quarterback. Uh, the roster has competed. Say what you want about them having one win. They've taken a lot of teams down to the wire, and it's a lot of young players for the yeah. most part. So you're going to probably get a chance to hire your own coach. So Jacksonville is a spot where you look at it, and I think they can get one of the big ones. Now, for me, my guy would be Ed Dodds. Oh, you've think. been talking about him for like four for, or five years. And here's a good example. Look at Seattle's drafts since Ed Dodds has left. And where did he go? The Colts. Now look at the Colts drafts. Mm. There's a reason why where everywhere this guy goes, those teams are building young rosters that are going to the postseason. And now Dodds pulled out of the Browns interviewing last year. So he's on the radar for a GM job. It's not like I'm pushing can, can this guy. Can teams block someone like that from taking interviews, like a coaching staff? Uh, I don't believe. So that's a promotion. So no. So he would gotcha. be, he's an assistant GM. So if he's going to, G and Man. Ballard won't do that to him. There's that kind of relationship there where Ballard. But him will going him to go. Jacksonville in the division. It's interesting. It is, but mm. it's an enticing job. Dodds what are the other gigs other than Jacksonville? Well, you have Detroit. Now, let's not forget, it was interesting when Sala didn't get the Browns job, Dodds pulled out of that job. So it makes you wonder, is there a connection there could where there both of Salah these guys could Dodds, go to Detroit? Detroit. Mm. Yeah, which would be, that's a big, if they go, if Detroit comes away, and I've been low on Detroit's moves for a long time now. I did not like Patricia's the hiring. If Detroit comes away this offseason with Dodds, Salah, and Mike McDaniel, 
that that place is going in the right direction for the first time mm. in a very long time, in my opinion. So if you're a mm. Lions fan, I think that's what you what you want to fight for right now. So there's some really interesting ones in this. I've heard Rick Smith is looking to get back in the league. Now, a lot of people sit there and Rick had an interesting exit, right? We know, you know, really sad story with his wife. Rick had some amazing drafts. Amazing. For the and I'll tell you this right now, and I don't know if this is out there. Rick Smith is the guy that moved up for Deshaun Watson, not Bill O'Brien. And Rick Smith liked Deshaun Watson so much that he tried to get from 12 to 6 with the Jets that year. He just couldn't pull the trade off because the Jets didn't want to move. So Rick Smith sat there in that draft and said, Sean Watson's a superstar. I'm going to go up and get him. Mm. And then not too long after, he, he left the NFL. Now... I think and, Rick Smith and all these things that are going on with Jack Easterly right now is only making Rick Smith, Rick Smith look even better. That and it's scaring people from Houston right now, which is why McNair just brought in this huge search group filled with Tony Dungy's on the group. They need to get guys in there that can convince people to come to Houston because Easterby messed things so up. So you're bad. telling me that a search group is not looking at resumes and coming up. They're actually contacting these coaches and vouching for the franchise. Absolutely. And they're and also it should not be called owners. a search group. It should be called a welcoming party. Yeah. I mean, this is the NFL left go. This is and then the if NFL. you're a coach, you have to know that, Hey guys, Tony Dungy and Andre Johnson ain't hanging out. And, and, and they're just there to be like, Hey man, good luck. We liked you. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. how it goes. And it, it helps an owner that, you know, is stepping into this and needs somebody advising him. That's not Jack Easterby because we've seen how that's gone now. Not Bill O'Brien. We saw how that went. So I think when I look at someone like Rick Smith, one, I think he should get one of the GM jobs. I think he's very good. Number Are there one. any other than Jacksonville and Detroit? Well, you have Atlanta. Atlanta and then maybe Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia, uh, the Bears. There's quite a few. There's a I'm few that might see, move on. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Washington wants to do this year. Because, I mean, hat, tip of the cap to Ron Rivera. Phenomenal job. And Ron Rivera is going to be the Andy Reid there. Like, everybody knows about Beach in Kansas City. Yeah. Andy makes the decisions, okay? So that's going to be Ron Rivera. But Washington is a place that people might want to go work now where maybe they look to build up the front office. But they've made a lot of good decisions there uh, recently. So you, you have quite a few jobs that are going to be open. And, and I've heard one weird rumor, and I don't know if this will ha- – I kind of took it with a grain of salt. I heard there's a situation where – Elway goes up the ladder in Denver and it opens the door for a real GM to come in and kind of mm. run the personnel. That's something that really interests me. Denver is a place that people would like to go work. Uh, Elway has connections. So that makes a lot of sense. So, it, you know, Atlanta's going to be a place where everyone loves Arthur Blank. They feel like that roster is much better than what they've played to. It'll be a good job. I think Rick Smith makes a lot of sense for them. Once again, I think the enemy makes a lot of sense for them because they can go in there and Quite frankly, I think they could win right away with that duo going in there. Who do you uh, want to coach the Jets? Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Yeah, if absolutely. not him, who? Oh, man. It becomes quite the pool of people. You know, you, I'm absolutely in on the, the Salah-McDaniel combination, although I don't think that would – I don't think they would go to the Jets. Um, you know, it, I think you're going to look at the Joe Douglas connections, right? Like, I don't want Doug Peterson. And I don't think he's a bad football coach. I just don't want the guy that just got fired stepping into the Jets job again. I just don't think there's any way that franchise can do that two times in a row. They can't. Now you look at someone like Wink Martindale with Baltimore, 
that place loves him. All the players love him, not just the guys on defense. I think the history there with Joe Douglas, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, pretty obvious. And I think he can come in. If he hired a good offensive coordinator, you could sell me on a Wink Martindale hire. I think Brian Dable is fit for the job. I don't think Brian Dable would take the Jets job. You know, he's been in New England. He's been in Buffalo. It would be a pretty big surprise if his agent said, yeah, go to the Jets job. It's very funny that I feel like two years ago, it was let's find the young offensive mind. And I feel like the popular young new coaches right now are the hard-nosed linebacker types. The Brian Flores, Mike Vrabels. Um, the, these guys that set the tone. And now I, I'm looking at my favorite thing is, you know, when the media wants a guy to get a job, when they really start talking about him a lot. And this Robert Sala, I'm watching Niners Bills and I'm, they're showing pregame him running up and down the stairs. And I'm like, this is like what they did with Vrabel. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like him blocking with guys. And it, it's interesting how we go through these waves of now it's get the hard-nosed guy to lead and get the offensive smart guy to be your coordinator, whereas two years ago it was the smart coordinator leads and then you have a leader in the background. It just it changes. And the media, in a way, controls a lot of who gets hyped up for jobs. And that's why something I try to do is bring in names that, quite frankly, don't get talked about enough. And I found it really interesting. Pro Football Talk leaked the um, minority candidate list that the NFL is going to present to teams, which is great that they put this list together. And and there was one name that was not on it that I want to tell you about Lefko. So in a couple years, we can discuss him. Brandon Hunt from the Steelers, number one, should have been on that list. And maybe PFT didn't have the full list. I don't want to accuse anyone of anything. But let's not forget, Kevin Colbert only takes one-year deals with the Steelers right now. So his day to walk away from the Steelers GM job has done a fantastic job with that franchise, which is a great franchise. That day will come where he walks away. I wonder if Hunt is in an Eric DaCosta situation where, quite frankly, he just won't leave, and one day he'll ascend into a bigger role. For people that don't know, Eric DaCosta is the guy that replaced Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore. Yes. Sorry, I get into these nerd uh, tangents of front office The thing. only context I bring is context, so that's yes. why I love you. But keep going. So this guy, Brandon Hunt, he's been there for how long? Uh, God, at least four or five years now. I would have if to you look tell into- me that he is the one scouting these wide receivers then he can't go because whoever's scouting wide receivers in Pittsburgh uh, needs to be put into the Hall of Fame. Well, let me tell you what he did do. He is the one that stood on the table to trade a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick because he is a pro personnel coordinator. So he does a lot of the pro scouting, but these guys also get pulled into the college scouting rooms a lot to make decisions of, I mean, think about how many good receivers they have let walk away at the right time, the Steelers. And then they bring in a chase Claypool and and over and over again. I mean, even James Washington fits that offense. Great. And I know people weren't high on him, how they do it. Uh, But their pro scouting is phenomenal. He is the one that really, really was saying, Hey, Minka Fitzpatrick is available. I don't care if it costs a first round pick. This guy can change our defense. And it has Hayden. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a pro personnel move is acquiring a guy that one team thinks is over the hill. You go out, you give him a good amount of money and people kind of raise their eyebrow like what? And now he's, he's been phenomenal for the Steelers. Mm. So I think when you look at it, you know, that's somebody that was not on that list. And I think if I was thinking outside the box and wanted to bring in a young guy that's done a lot of good things at a great organization and has learned from some of the best I would put him on an interview list, but maybe he just doesn't have interest in leaving the Steelers because of how well things have gone. 
Who were the other names on that minority candidates list that jumped out? Oh you? yeah, I could I could pull this up. It was actually a lot of Lewis Riddick is on that list. Who's calling? So is Monday he Night starting Football? to get a lot of buzz? And this is what's so he interesting is. that that I think people need to understand. Taking a big television job like Ron Jaworski used to get offers places. Chris Mortensen would get offers for GMs. There's a visibility to it um, that I, that I'm curious about. But Lewis Riddick seriously being considered. I've heard rumblings of it. Now, a lot of people think Riddick has connections and we've heard this to Josh McDaniels in the past and, and nobody thinks they could pull McDaniels away from new England. So if Riddick comes in and makes that promise, maybe somebody buys into it. Now there is a risk factor there, right? You're talking about somebody that was a, a, you know, director level for your Eagles and I believe was let go. And you can hear it on the broadcast, how he feels about Howie Roseman. Mm. which, you know, that's an interesting time and place to do that. What I would I, love to talk to you about is connect me, the media people and the coaches and front office people so that I can see through the bullshit about who is with who. Because that's what I know you know. Uh, I but do, it's also, and that's a it's better also conversation. the delicate part of all of this. Yeah, I do know that. And, and quite frankly, it can even help you with things like mock drafts when the time comes or when we sit on the desk to do the draft. You can put two and two together sometimes when you want to confirm info. There's a lot of interesting things. I mean, we know Todd McShay and Daniel Jeremiah were connected to uh, Joe Douglas's front office search. Now, both stayed. They were all together in Baltimore together, or at least Daniel Jeremiah and Joe Douglas went to college together. And Daniel Jeremiah and Joe Douglas were in Baltimore together. Now, with Daniel Jeremiah, because he tweets a a, a lot of great info, you got to realize he worked with like, and we talked about the picture before of them. Daniel Jeremiah worked with like somebody, like everybody that's in a prominent front office role. He's not relying on one guy. No, Daniel Jeremiah has connections everywhere and is very, very fair and balanced. Um, You know, Riddick is interesting to me. I I don't know where he's necessarily connected, but I think the media exposure has really helped him maybe elevate himself to at least have a chance. He might get GM interviews, which is something that if you told me, a guy that was let go at the director level from the league and went to media. That's not something we ever see, quite frankly. But, I'll, you know, guys like John Lynch and Mike Mayock having some success have helped open the eyes of owners to Absolutely. taking a chance on guys like that. What job do you think is more fun, media or GM? Oh, man. Like, I, what do you think these guys, like, do you think a guy like Mayock and them, like, which one do you think that they're enjoying more if they were to, like, step away? I think Mayock is loving the league because mm. Mayock. There's a lot more pressure when you're in the league. Let me tell you something, and I'm still, you know, new to this in a sense where I haven't experienced the fatigue of it to the level these guys have. But when you do only media, the people that doubt you because they're mad that you said their team drafted somebody that they shouldn't have, they constantly tell you, if you were so good at this, you'd be doing it in the NFL. Mm. And number one, that's not true at all. Number two, there's a lot of people doing this in media that are doing it way better than those in the NFL. But it does bother you where you sit there and go, well, what if I did go to the NFL? And what if I did prove everyone wrong? And what if my evaluations, when I stack them up at the end of every single year, are just as good, if not better, than the top five drafting teams? Could I get us to a Super Bowl? And quite frankly, the Raiders, I know I said it's not good when you almost lose to the Jets, that roster turnover is going in the right direction for the Raiders right now. 
You look at John Lynch, the 49ers have had a lot of success since he took the job. So it's, it's much more pressure being on a team at the same point. The rewards have to be so much higher. There, that's exactly it. Like I love, like I you had all of your year. draft information, but you only used it for one team and you didn't have to tell everybody and you were able to keep it a secret and then were able to actually get those players, that has to feel so much better than spreading yourself thin and having to focus on 32 franchises. Absolutely. Absolutely. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Like nobody will remember if I have DK Metcalf as a top 15 player, but like they absolutely will remember John Schneider took him in the second round when no one else would and he's a superstar. So you, for it, people that are difference. watching, for people that are watching right now or listening, you are listening to two people that said DK Metcalf should go in the top 15 of that draft. So that's why I get very offended when people go, nobody said DK Metcalf. I said that true. the Packers should have taken DK Metcalf nope. at 11. I got the tape, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I watch our draft coverage because it's on YouTube and go back to us all doing it. So you know, it's not one of those things where like you pound your chest, but I think something else left go that I would personally find fun if I ever had the opportunity to sit in that chair as a GM is is building a staff. Like the people I've met that I think are good at this job, mm. that I, I would love them to come work in that building and put together a staff and and have the energy of that building when you're winning football games mm. and and building a plan. I mean, that's the dream of this. So all. my my question also would be, and you talk to a lot of people, so you get actual information. But it's like looking at a coaching staff or looking at a, at a front office and not knowing who's really responsible for what. And yep. I, I can only imagine that that's part of the reason why these guys have to reach out in the media all the time and like talk about themselves because the GM gets all of the credit or all of the blame. And I just want to know who are the stars in those staffs that aren't out yet. And it's, it's got to be. And that's why I, I tell you about a name like Brandon Hunt. Uh, on this show, you, you need basically left go to to get that information and feel good about it. Where I'll say it on your show, and you have a lot of listeners, where you trust the people in the building that are telling you that info because they're in the war room during draft meetings and they know who stood on the table and who didn't. And and there was a media battle with Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith a little bit of who wanted sure. Deshaun Watson. I liked Pat Mahomes. Like these things happen where. You're right, Lefko. It, it is hard to know, and sometimes there are names kicked around for years that never get the jobs Twitter thinks they should, and, and there's a reason why. And mm. and I, I am fascinated by the Lewis Riddick situation because, th I mean, let's. I, this isn't a knock on Lewis Riddick, but there are people in the league that are that are doubters, and then there are a lot of people that are fans that have loved his his media work and coverage that would be excited. So. We have to sit and wait and see how would it go. We're all curious. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's the kind of stuff that is very hard to dissect. And you really need to do your homework to have a good pulse on it. And you're 100% right. You could have a GM that is the front-facing GM. And if his staff is phenomenal, you, it's, it's sort of like a, a coaching staff in the NBA where it's like, if you got good assistance all around you, you can just be the statesman and all of that. Uh, is there any other notes that you want to get out before we go? Just other tidbits that you found interesting? Man, I'm trying to run it all through my brain of what we went through today. It is, um, I, I think that was a lot of it. I think when you look at it, it's going to be a fun off season because I don't think it's, it's a very obvious one, right? Like it's every year, every year we sit there like we, we knew Matt rule was going to get a job, right? The only one that really surprised me. And I remember it came out when I was in the middle of recording stick football was Joe judge. 
I was like, wow, I did not have him on my coaching candidates list. Mm. And, and the Giants is a job. Actually, there's one more thing I want to say. because That okay. just reminded me. Giants fans, if you are listening, you're feeling good right now. You're tied for first place. I think you feel very good about your head coach. And I th think you feel even better about your defensive coordinator because you have a roster that, quite frankly, isn't very good playing at a really good level, a really prepared level, and they're playing very hard, and they're, they're winning football games these last couple of weeks, that franchise can really put this into hyperdrive, as Adam Gase will say, if they move on from Dave Gettleman, because people will want to go work there, because now they believe in Joe Judge, they believe in the staff, they believe in the Giants franchise as a whole, people like that ownership and feel comfortable going there, they spend money. Now, we'll see the future of Daniel Jones and some question marks on the roster. But I know there are people saying, look, Dave Gettleman was right. I don't agree. I think this is the time where if you move on from Gettleman, maybe you can go get an Ed Dodds caliber kind of guy. Maybe you can go get Rick Smith coming back into the league. You can get a big-time GM that helps with the personnel. So you don't go down that ex-Patriots way that Matt Patricia went down. I'm not saying Judge will do that, but we've seen a history of it. Right. I think the Giants are in a situation where it's not an easy one because things are going well. But if I was them, and even if you don't want to completely move on, maybe you sit there and go, hey, he's getting up there in age. We move him to an elevated role, but we bring in a guy with a bigger voice for personnel. I think that would be the bold, but a move I would love for the New York Giants to do. It's going to be tough. The DC that's getting all the acclaim right now is Patrick Graham. And the reason I think it's going to be tough is because Gettleman came out and said, we need to get hog mollies. They trade for Leonard Williams. They take Dalvin Tomlinson a few years ago. I don't know if he was involved in that draft. I don't think he was, but they take Dexter Lawrence in the first round and all of those guys have been performing. Tay Crowder's been performing. BJ Hill's been performing. Yep. And then even he goes out there with his Carolina connections and pays for James Bradbury, who has been Great a Pro Bowl-like player. And so it is tough because all the things that he talked about are, are working. Like that Seattle game, I, I said this to Gabe, uh, one of our production crew here who's a big Giants fan. I said, watching that D-line was very scary. Yes. And because they were the group that won the game. So it is hardware for the betterment of the franchise in the long run. I see what you're saying. And I guess the news bite that I took from that is people don't want to work for Dave Gettleman. I, it's tough, right? I think when you look at it, I think there's a situation. Because I see Brandon Bean, who was under him at Carolina, goes to Buffalo, and what him and Sean McDermott have built up there is unbelievable. Bean's but. one of the best GMs in football. Absolutely. One of the best GMs in football. I think with the Giants, it's true. Gettleman has had his hits. It's not a let me just kill Dave Gettleman on this show type of scenario. I just would like to see them get a younger guy in there. Maybe he works under him, uh, you know, in an assistant GM in a GM role while they elevate Gettleman. I just look at it and go, here's what it all comes down to for Dave Gettleman. If Daniel Jones figures it out or if he doesn't, and that's what people have to ask themselves. Do they think Daniel Jones is the future of the franchise or do they not? And, and, I, and I'll, not, I'll be willing to guy. say this right now. The other quarterbacks in that draft were Kyler First, Drew Locke, um, Gardner Minshew, Jared Stidham. Daniel Jones is better than all of them except for Kyler. And I think that I have seen enough from Daniel Jones where um, – I have faith. I don't know if he can be a top quarterback in the NFL. I think it's hard when you lose all your wide receivers every game. Uh, Saquon Barkley is not there and your offensive line is an absolute mess. Um, and I, 
I don't know. I've I've had I've been more impressed. I'm more impressed with Daniel Jones than Drew Locke by a mile. Um, yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I, I think that he is not giving you the returns of a top ten pick, and it all comes down to the mistakes that. Oh, Dwayne Haskins. I forgot about Dwayne. Haskins. I said, yeah, Haskins. Yeah, who yeah. has has not been good. I mean, it was a bad quarterback draft. It, it quite frankly was, and and you know, the only one that I had in the top ten that year was Kyler because it's the only one you could feel good about, and. It just, yeah, it hasn't worked out. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And it's interesting to see Colt McCoy hold the fort. You know, it's, it's incredible the career he's had. He's done doing it so many times. So many times. He won a monster game in Dallas with Washington a few years ago. He's just, he's just a perfect backup quarterback. Yeah, well, he doesn't give away the football that much. You know what I mean? That's what it comes down to. He's not a guy that's going to turn the ball over three times in a game where if you can play tough in the trenches like the Giants do, you can hang around. All right, we're going to wrap up soon. I just, we have to talk about, I think about it every Sunday. I swear to God, I still don't know if Carson Wentz or Jared Goff is better. Like, I don't so either. Me and Connor, I really don't. Me and Connor five years ago made a bet before the draft where I said Connor Wentz, uh, Carson Wentz could be better than, than Jared Goff, and he took the other side. And Carson Wentz gets pulled, and I'm like, man, maybe Connor won this argument. And then I watch the Rams game, and I'm like, He's they are terrible. avoiding letting Jared Goff throw the football right now. It's like Cam Akers, and, and they'll just give the ball to anybody other than Jared Goff. And I, I really else. don't know who's good. You know how many times I've almost sent you that jersey? And, and then, like, I'm telling you, I've almost ordered this jersey five different times. And then I'm like, I, st- I just don't know. And then this year happened where it has been the bottom of the bottom for Wentz. And listen, it's not shocking because the line is just decimated. And I know Wentz has been bad. I know Wentz has been bad. But there's also, I mean, they've both been bad. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Look, and I don't the know Eagles are worse. playing Nate Herbig at right guard, Jack Driscoll at right tackle. They're playing yeah. Jordan Maialata at left tackle. They're relying on Isaac Samelu, which like is never something that you should be doing. And they um, didn't draft Justin Jefferson. But for me, it was like right when I'm like, I'm going to have to buy Connor this jersey. I got Sean McVay coming out there and being like, my quarterback's messing up too much. And I'm like, (laughs) this is crazy. I just, I don't want, I don't think you want a Jared. I was just going to say, I don't don't think I want a Carson Wentz. If you ever think at any point I want, do not buy the jersey because I do not want a Jared Goff jersey. But I I think it's hilarious because one of those guys was supposed to be a lock. And at the time, you could say maybe both of them are. And it's, it's crazy where their careers have gone right now. Mm. Would you take Justin Herbert over all of them? Yes. I was wrong about Herbert. I could sit here and say the things I was right about. I was wrong about Justin Herbert. Now, of course, he's come back to life, uh, uh, you know, reality a little bit. But I still yeah, but think that, To is, me, that's the Belichick. When you play I Belichick agree. when you're a rookie, rookie quarterbacks count. die against Belichick. I am very impressed with Justin Herbert, and uh, he's he's one of those quarterbacks that will definitely make me look wrong. It's it's I, I say it every year. It's my Dak Prescott theory. When you have a guy on a team where none of the offensive where none of the offensive weapons are going in the draft, you have to excuse some of their faults if they're being risky a lot because they have to be. And now now Burrow looked good, and he was surrounded by talent and and. Um, but it's it's guys like Baker and Kyler that scare you because it's like you got C D Lamb and all the and, and Hollywood Brown all over the place. Uh, but it's the guys like Dak and Herbert where you go, shit, they had nobody there. 
Yeah, the thing that hung me up with that really screwed me up with Herbert was he had the best offensive line in the country, and Penny Sewell is left tackle uh, will be a top five pick this year, mm. and is going to be. Uh, and that's I mean, what like, how it was with Baker Mayfield too. And, Not Baker, and I sat uh, there Johnny and I'm Manziel. like, why is this guy so bad? is a senior or not what he should be as a senior. Cause I loved him as a sophomore, liked him as a junior, and then just was completely down after senior year. And I'm just like, I just, I can't, you know, I had him in the second round and it's a miss. It is what it is. And, and it'll be interesting this year because people will do that with Justin Fields. Cause Ohio state's very good. They have a, a guard. That'll be a first round pick a center. That'll be a, a second or third mm. round pick a receiver. That'll be a second round pick a receiver mm. that in two years will be a first round pick. Yeah. Is there I is like there it. before you go, is there going to be a player this year? I guess it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's tanking for Trevor, but is there going to be a player like Chase Young who is like the clear non-quarterback star of this draft? I think it's Penny Sewell. I found it interesting that Daniel Jeremiah has uh Rashawn Slater from Northwestern over him with the offensive line, which means you know, DJ did that with Becton last year and everybody freaked out and Becton's looked great. So, you know, tip of the cap to DJ. I think that means that some people in the league also really like Slater as well. But for me, Lefko, and I think for a lot of people, and I think you can almost pencil it in for the Bengals right now, it's it's Penny Sewell. And then are there going to be like three wide receivers in the top 10? Probably top 15 again, because the position just doesn't get valued that way. But Jamar Chase, uh, Jalen Waddell, and then it gets crazy because there's a million good ones. And it's just going to be, it's going to be, you know. So another deep wide receiver draft. Oh, it's great. It's phenomenal. I can't wait to. You guys should take another swing. I can't wait until we take, uh, (laughs) with our sixth pick, we take a diamond in the rough with the fifth pick in the draft. Okay. Connor, you're the man. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Uh, Follow him online. Is it at Connor J. Rogers? That's right. It was the only, Connor Rogers wasn't available at the time many years ago. So, Connor J. Rogers. You're the man, dude. Good to go. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me on. Hear ye, hear ye. These are the three crack commandments with Bill Krackenberger. Crack. Daddy. He's the crack. Daddy. I just got to do the Wise Cracks podcast. I got to go on Cracks podcast, and now he's back on the Left Go Show. Crack, good to see you again, pal. Hey, thanks for having me on. I love doing this every week, and uh, it was a pleasure to have you on yesterday. I don't know if you noticed there, big tough guy from the Bronx, right? At the end, I got a little emotional. You probably didn't catch it. I did because the show flowed so well. I knew it was a good show, too. I could tell when we have a good show. I knew the producers were, like, going to be doing some, uh, you know, uh, enjoying themselves, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, no, they, they. Uh, let me tell you, I knew just the, the the things we were talking about and the way the show went down and talking about it's. I love talking about old school stuff and talking about where we both came from, our career paths, and you know how lucky that like, got you I, I, say I am. A little bit at the end, I'll send you the clip. You probably didn't catch oh, it. Crack. I love you, pal. I love you too. It just, uh, it, it really did. It just, you know. I think about myself 
pitching quarters in the back of a post office in this little boardwalk seaside town, King, uh, Kingsburg, New Jersey, a little blue-collar, uh, one-mile square town, 32 bars in the town. It's amazing I don't drink at all today, but 32 bars in this little town, little boardwalk town, like I said. I used to pitch quarters behind the post office. I was uh, playing cards in my garage. I was going every weekend where we're going to people's garages and, and playing head-to-head blackjack, and I just had – Oh, man, I don't want to say, but I, I probably had no chance to make it in life and didn't mm. even know it, you know? And to think where I've come from and made a career out of that, mm. out of gambling, mm. out, of, out of doing something that I love to do, mm. and I changed the tables around and someone showed me and shook me. Because let me tell you something. I am not afraid to admit this. I was a stone-cold sucker. I don't know any better. I was betting favorites. I bet the Yankees every game. I mean, you know, I'm 13, 14, 15 years old. I'm betting with bookmakers, by the way, as a, as a 13, 14, 15-year-old. I'm uh, trying to hide from my parents what I'm doing. And, and meanwhile, my parents, God, God bless their souls, they're the ones that, that, that probably showed me this. My father had me at the racetrack when I was seven, eight years old, you know, with, with my Italian uncles uh, that, that corrupted him. And my father was an old Hungarian Jewish conservative family, yeah. you know, like, so, so, you know, my mother's family totally, totally corrupted him. And, and he was gambling all the time more than he should have to. And I loved him to death, you know, and uh, now you've made uh, it into like an actual career. How can you make it into a career? And then I, I touched on that and I touched on what you did. Cause I had no idea. I didn't know. I never knew you were doing like regular uh, news and yeah. then this came into something you love sports and next thing you know you're on the front of a magazine that you're getting you're in, you're on top of the polls and I was I just was like wow that runs through a similar parallel like I like I did in my life yeah. I just loved it you know? it's it's a good realization to realize that anyone that's made it there was not just gifted it that that a lot of people need to go through the shit uh, to get to the shine and um, and even people that feel like you're like, oh, they were born with a silver spoon. Like they've gone through something, but uh, that's, that's why I've always liked to crack. You're a down to earth guy. I don't, I don't really get along with people that are, that are on their high horse a lot. And so, yeah, um, I'm Joe public. I'm an average guy, man. I try to relate to everyone. And I think that's what makes me successful is remaining relatable. Like I live in this building and you know, my wife wanted a fancy building, but I live in a, in, in a building with all these trust fund kids, I'm telling you, there is more Bentleys. Uh, uh, do, they, do they ask for betting Hummers. advice? They're all jack offs, to be honest with you. They really are. I mean, they they, they don't you know they don't hold doors. They don't they don't. Mm. There's no respect at all. Mm. They don't know what it is because they didn't work for the money. Mm. And I see it all the time. And uh, yes, I am recognized in the building by a couple guys. And and. Uh, you know, they, they oh, crack, can you, you, you want to help me out and you want to give me a game or yeah. something? You know, like one game people don't realize. I, it, that brings to a point, I don't know if I ever told you, like I'll walk through a casino sometimes and someone will grab me and say, hey, crack, come on over to Sportsbook, man, give me some games. I'm going to give you some free money to bet with. That's not me. I don't do that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, the, the one that was hard to turn down, though, was when I was in the islands uh, a year and a half ago and a guy, you know, he had half a million in front of him. He, he gave me a stack of chips. It had to be almost a hundred grand. And he's like, I don't even know the guy. I'm literally walking through the casino. His buddy grabs me, takes me to High Limit. Guy gives me a hundred grand. He's like, hey man, here, go to the sports book, man. Go, go bet some games for us. Said, don't worry. If we win, we'll split it. If we lose, it's on me. Uh, I, it was a great opportunity, but it's just not what I do. I can you imagine didn't do all these it? people out. 
it's not what I do. I, I, if I lose, I would feel so responsible. Mm. It, it might turn out negative. It, there's a lot of things. You know what I mean? I'm on. I'm in an island. I might get whacked. I don't know. I, I don't know who the guys are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's like so many different things, but like, but you get these guys out there, these much that out there, like, uh, like I, you know who, uh, and they would salivate to do something of course, like that. Of course. And I, I shouldn't say mutt. I'm referring to these guys that I know. Some guys that 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 um, have. Sp- services they talk a big game and take, it's not real well not only talk a big game they actually talk people into sending them money giving them m- money and oh i'll bet the money for you man don't worry we'll be fine and they would salivate doing that uh, but it's just not me you mentioned anyway. the phrase earlier joe public um let's let's help the the 33 not be joe public this weekend the sharps yeah. are they salivating over any sides this weekend anything we need to know believe it or not there's really no syndicate type of action mm. uh unfortunately on tonight's game they're the only game i really seen bet they bet uh the the plus five uh to, on tonight's game and it's funny I, I i didn't um i see it here yeah no i'm wrong there is a couple fours now uh, i'm looking on my screen here i got a great screen that sh- i have a screen that's unbelievable it, it it shows you both places uh to bet in other words let's say i want to bet new england i bet new england i go to points bet because it's plus five however if i want to bet the rams i can lay four at a certain place and it shows you don't have to even search and by the mm. way uh, shameless plug for odds trader it's free uh, but anyway yeah no so it's, it's really good to see the fours and fives out there now listen five is not a key bet not a key number right but the four is like the sixth or seventh key number you know they go down in order uh, and when I say key numbers, and uh, it's it's funny, I, I I talked about this yesterday somewhere. So let me see if I can find this real quick because this is really good to know. It's really good to know three, where, four, uh, seven. Yeah, I actually look, look at this. Look at this chart. I don't know if you see that chart. Oh, you probably can't really see that there. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, you do. You, I was shocked to see this. Now, ready? I'm going to read this to the to your guys too. Uh, since 19, I'm sorry, since 2015, 1,392 games. Since 2015, the three, of course, is the number one. Seven, of course, is number two. Six is number three. These next. This is the final margin of victory for a team in an out in an outcome. Yes, oh, I'm sorry. I should be telling people it's what that good. is. Right, and I think this I saw also like 14 percent of games. 14 have ended oh, 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 oh. by a yes. difference by three yes. points. 14 percent. But you keep on looking at that 10% list. 10% have believe? ended at seven points. 7% have ended at six points. And this is where it's interesting. 6% interesting. of games have ended at 14-point difference. How about how about the one that's below that, or the 10? 10. 10 Look per- at the one below 10. Five, five How points. could five? I thought five was the deadest number in football. I'm wrong. Uh, there's been more fives than fours. So, uh, like I said, this particular game tonight, five and four. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with the extra point being moved. And, and any other, for any two. other game uh, this weekend that you're interested in? We're in a okay, bit of a time crunch see. crack. I'm just going to be honest, so I'm apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I'm why you don't sorry. have to apologize to me. I'm the one apologizing to you. Yeah, no. Let, let me give you uh, uh, the wise guy side that I've seen. Uh, Buffalo opened up pick them that first click on Sunday. Quickly went to two and a half, two and a half minus 13. You know, Buffalo it, it, favored it, by two and a half at Buffalo home against favored. the formerly undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, so that, that, that's a move. And let me give you the smell test game of the week here. I, I, something's up here with this. I think we talked about it on, on my pod yesterday. This New Orleans game last night dropped to six and a half and even sixes. I'm seeing the six on what last was it here. 
it was at seven. Almost, there was a lot of sevens on the screen two days ago. Mm. And, you know, you think, look at these two teams. You know, I, I know that, I, you know, I, 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 don't, I know the quarterback situation there in New Orleans. And um, so it's going to be I one more think, game of Taysom Hill. I think it's one more game. But I did read just this morning, I, I, I believe it or not, on Bleacher that he may be active for this game and that they're probably not going to play him. So, uh, but I, I just think that it's, it's a smell game of the week here. I don't understand. It's just the Eagles are going in a different direction. I, I don't know. Yeah, the only thing that I think is interesting to me, and I'm checking the weather right now to see if Sunday is going to be interesting. Sunday, it's supposed to be 45 degrees, so nothing crazy. But the Taysom Hill offense, what we saw when he was on the road in Denver, uh, Denver is a smart defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio, and he was able to slow down the run. And they, the, the Denver Broncos completed one pass. So it's, it's a hard metric to use. This is a Saints team out of the dome in Philadelphia. And the one thing the Eagles do really well is stop the run. They're a great run-stopping team. And, and so the question is, is uh, can Darius Slay make it tough on a guy like Michael Thomas? And can the Eagles move the ball at all? I personally will not bet on the Eagles in that game. I just, I'm not going to create more pain sure. for myself as an Eagles fan. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, Seattle over the Jets. Now, this is an interesting game because I, I, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm Seattle sure favored by 13, 13 and a half. 13 and uh, a half. They probably stayed right in New York, I'm sure, right? They played the Giants. I mean, I, I would think. That, well, isn't this Giants game, this game is, isn't it Oh, in no, this Seattle? is in Seattle. I'm yeah. wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. This is in Seattle. Okay. So think about this. I guess that my mind's just on Giants, them losing to the Giants last week. Wouldn't it be cool if the Seattle loses two weeks in a row to the New York teams? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I look the other way and I go, man, Seattle is is coming off an embarrassment. And the Jets, like, what a nail on a coffin to lose like that. And and you have a you oh, have man. a win and it's just taken from you. Uh I, I don't know if that's motivating. That just sounds like deflating to me. And we talked about this on this show, how, how you can make these bets where a team goes 16 low, where a team going 0-16. Uh, it it's, it's really makes you think after seeing that, that the Jets are going to go 0-16. Mm. So we'll, mm. we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, nothing really moving in the NFL. Well, everything's focused on college basketball now. So NBA uh, starting now, up. I shouldn't say right, NBA, right? NBA starting up. So this is basketball's in the air. You have a cross-sports area where you have the bookmaker has to get all these lines right nba college football college basketball uh nfl this is a very good time for to be a sports better if you're an advantage sports better mm. crack wins app always check it out uh wise cracks is the podcast that i was on it's out now so if you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to hear me talking with crack and his guy joe orlando uh check that out crack uh wise cracks uh crack i'm sorry that i had to rush you out oh no it's no big deal but it's always yeah, good please, i'm gonna tweet i'm gonna tweet this out because if you guys want to know about adam lefko this was a, a really good uh segment of, of adam lefko inside uh and apparently so really i brought good. tears to crack's eyes so that was a Oof. thing I'm gonna have to go rewatch it. Can I rewatch it or is I, it? Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna okay. send you that little clip too. You oh missed man, it. no, no. Right. my man, I love, I love you, Crack. All right, guys, take care. See Thanks you, for Brian. having me. Good talking See to you as always, Crack, Daddy. Big shout out to Connor Rogers. Big shout out to my guy, Crack Daddy. I'm over here thinking about the bets. I, I haven't checked up with you. Did you lose your, your Ingber's losers bet last week? No, I continue to win every single week. I mean, win meaning 
I yes. have not successfully, I, I give out a loser every week. This week it was that the uh, Falcons were going to beat the Saints by between 13 and 18 points. Didn't even sweat it. No, no, no chance of that happening. <laughs> I'm putting these out on Twitter on Sunday mornings. Uh, sometimes I retweet from the Left Go Show account just so people that listen to the show that, that don't follow me can still follow along. But it's been fun. Um, and now I'm, I'm getting a little tighter. I'm getting things down under 10 to 1. I'm going in single digit underdogs here for the rest of the year. All right. I am going to look around the NFL and see which games I like. Man, there are some interesting matchups. Um, I'm going to make my... Man, like I'm, I'm looking at like something like Houston and Chicago, but I'm like, I'm so tilted from betting on Chicago last week that I know that if I bet against them this week, they would just somehow come away with a win. The storyline there of Mitchell Trubisky and Deshaun Watson is obviously interesting. I just, I don't trust that team. I'm fascinated at the Bucks coming off of a bye favored by six and a half against a team in the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I, you know what? I was on Crack's podcast yesterday and he asked me who would I bet on to win the NFC and to represent them in the playoffs in the in the Super Bowl. Mm. And I said that if you're I was looking for value, right now the favorite is the Seahawks the Saints at plus 200. I like the Packers at plus 325 because I think the C- the Saints could lose to the Chiefs giving that first round bye to the Packers. But I said if I was going on a long shot, I would take the Buccaneers at plus 700. This is a team that didn't have their bye yet. And so Maybe they just needed a week to get their shit together because I don't think they're as bad as they were against the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Bucks minus six and a half against the Vikings at home after a bye as my like. I just think that they are uniquely positioned to beat up on a team that relies on the running game as much as the Vikings do. And so I think that they're going to be able to contain that. And the question is, is can they survive the occasional bombs to Justin Jefferson? I think that... Um, Tom Brady has a reawakening this week, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, shit, I forgot about the Bucks. That's my list. Uh, in terms of my like, um, I kind of want to fade the public. Um, I'm going to say that the Dallas Cowboys bounce back this week. I'm going to take them minus three and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, mainly because I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are as bad as they were on Tuesday night because that's playing Lamar Jackson and now they're playing Brandon Allen. And I, I just, I think the Dallas Cowboys come back after a very disappointing, I'm trying to bet on the teams that are being publicly publicly disrespected uh, all the time. Um, Bucks, by the way, the Buccaneers are a sort of public play this week, but the Bengals are the public play in the Cowboys game. So you definitely are fading the public on that one. And, um, and I think after that, if I was going to bet on one more team, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Giants plus two at home. And I, I think that Arizona absolutely needs to start figuring this out. I just feel like the Giants, it's the one thing that they can hang their hat on. They just saw a mobile quarterback last week in Russell Wilson. Now they're seeing Kyler, who definitely doesn't have as much of a grasp of the offense of Russell Wilson. So I'm going to make my love Joe Judge and the Giants getting two at home. Uh, it feels disgusting coming out of my mouth, but it's also something that I believe in. So I'll go there. Um, 
And, and again, look out for Ingber's bets uh, coming up on Sunday. We'll see if he can keep the streak going. Uh, thanks again to Connor Rogers and crack anything you want before we go. No, I think you hit it. I, I just want people to know that when you mentioned the public teams, that this is just one data point, like always. Absolutely. It's, Warren Sharp is the king of this is only one data point. So don't get into this mold. Like my uncle's a big sports gambler. He's a big believer that if the public is 90% on one team, you have to bet the other side. Not necessarily the case. It is just one interesting way of looking at these games. A great way to disprove that is, you know who the public loves? The Chiefs. And, really and you good. know who gamblers <laughs> should love? The Chiefs. Uh, awesome. For David Ingber. Please, 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 please do not use a metal fork on your omelet pans. You're just going to destroy the Teflon. Mmm, I love that. That's a really good one. Uh, I'm Adam Lefko, L-E-F-K-O-E. Man, and uh, I'll say you don't have to bet every game. And you don't have to bet every weekend. Learn to like football because it's football. Uh, Weird thing to end on a gambling show, but that's how it goes. We'll holler at you later. Peace, love, and football. And I'm just going to stop talking now. Peace. Bye.